Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Good morning, everyone, on May Day. You know, I guess uh, hopefully everybody is on a, at a May Day parade. Um, uh, Vive la Révolution, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wonderful. And joining us is internationally known transportation expert, consultant, and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna. Thanks for being here once again, Michael. It's wonderful to be here. Just got back from our May Day parade. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> we haven't had ours. We're going to have one in Princeton, I guess, up and down in front of 42 Cleveland Lane. It's starting at about four o'clock. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Michael, the lead article in the May edition of The Dispatcher is headlined To Ban or Not to Ban. Should that be the question? And you're taking on, as you put it, the Ban the Ice Club internal combustion engine. You say it's big, it's growing, and in your opinion, it's dead wrong. Yep. Let's get into it. It is. Well, the, uh, the inspiration for the articles, as often happens, something, something occurs or I read something. And in this case, there was a, there was a very good article in the, in, uh, in the, the Economist where the... Um, they said, well, you know, banning is a good idea. And we, we have this study and the study says this, this is a great idea and it's better than you know, providing incentives and we need to get people into electric cars. So you know, let's, let's ban cars. And then they started by saying it's, it's happening already. You know, cities in 2016, we had Antwerp and Belgium, Athens, Madrid. And then... Um, Following on that, we started to have countries who decided that you know we're going to we're going to we're going to start banning uh, internal combustion engines. And there's a long list of of countries that now have have um, joined this club: Denmark, France, Iceland, Sweden, uh, various various years. But it's like people have decided, or governments have decided, that this is a way of moving people out of their internal combustion engines and into electric cars, battery electric vehicles as quickly as possible. And of course, the, the idea is that, that cars are the major reason for climate change and we have to, to eliminate all internal combustion engines as soon as possible. So I decided to look at the, the research that the economist was basing their claim on that this is a good idea. And I took a, a quite a long excerpt out of the research paper that was done and I put it into the, to the dispatcher. So those of you who are going to be reading the dispatcher, you'll see what they actually did and what they've actually said. And I think this is a really good piece of, of research because as I've, I've read it, I read the entire report and the, the excerpt um, is, is, is quite, quite good and is extensive. Um, what they did say is a ban could be 
useful if your major intention is to eliminate all internal combustion engines as soon as possible. But there are potentially a lot of side effects. We don't live in a vacuum. Uh, we can't just decide to do something without looking at all the ex externalities. And in order for a band to be effective, electric cars have to be at least as good, at least as, as not, not more expensive. Um, and there has to be a method of producing electricity wherever these bands are being uh, implemented, which is better than the current uh, possibilities that exist today so that you're not increasing the, the emissions by producing more electricity. So that what the study says, it's possible that a ban could be good, but one of the main things that you have to look out for is as you're leading up to when these bans are going to take effect, let's take, for example, uh, 2025, Norway has set a goal of 2025. Um, you have people trying to, who are running, running businesses who are trying to stay in business like General Motors and Ford and a few other car companies. They're gonna start producing as many cars as they can to get them out there to sell them as quickly as they can in order to be able to have enough money to do what they're gonna to have to do to transition to a non-ICE world. And the potential is that you produce so many cars that you wouldn't have normally produced and people are buying cars that they wouldn't normally have bought in order to lead up to this. And they give a lot of examples how this has occurred in, in other areas. So what I believe, and I think with, with this research and, and since I haven't found any other research with the, that either The Economist or anyone else is pointing to, we have to be very, very careful with banning whatever we think we're gonna ban, whether it's prohibition back in the, back in the 20s. Uh, if we're going to do something, and I and I've give two examples, one is leaded gasoline and also spray the, um, the aerosol sprays. If we're going to institute a ban, we have to have the science in place to know that this is really the reason that, that bad things are happening. So we have to get these out of there as quickly as possible, but we have to have substitutes. And if you don't have a substitute for something, people will find those substitutes. So in China, aerosol, um, the, the aerosol uh, ban took effect, but it turned out that people were they didn't have a substitute. So the, what the Chinese government says were rogue producers, they were using this and, and you could see this, they could, the, the scientists could see that, that the, the hole in the ozone has, was closing, was closing, closing. And suddenly it started to, to, to open and open and open again. And they, they located where the problem was and it was in China. And the Chinese government, in this case, they actually did something about it and, and things have, have, have been fine since then. So the point is, do not rush in to these kinds of things before you have a very good idea of what the, what the externalities are and what the potential negative effects can be. And I think with, in the case of, of banning ICE vehicles, this is a very clear example of, of people listening to hysterical climatologists, teenagers, whoever, and doing something, anything, when they think that, that they need to be doing something rather than taking a step back, analyzing it and taking concerted action as opposed to just taking an action. 
one of the things that you uh, have advocated, I think, in the in the past, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, is that uh, pretty much the market should determine how fast a shift should be. So that so you're arguing more or less against incentives, giving people money to buy electric cars to make to make them cheaper. Let let people choose if if they want the electric vehicles or if they want the internal combustion engine. Yeah. Well, the thing is. It's, it's clear that, that these incentives aren't going to, to poor people because you, you can't be poor and, and buy an electric car. It just doesn't work. I mean, the, the, the market, uh, the, the cars that are being produced are, even the smallest cars, like the, the Nissan Leaf, those cars are, are 15, 20% more, at least more expensive than a new car of an ICE version. Um, so that providing incentive to, incentives to people who are wealthy enough to buy an electric car to, just doesn't make any sense at all. If, pe if people have enough money to be able to buy an electric car, they should do that because they feel that the car is going to do something for them that, that, that an ICE vehicle or a diesel vehicle would, would be able to do. They don't need an incentive. The incentives should be there if, there if you're going to use incentives, the incentives should be there to provide equal access for everyone to be able to afford cars. Now, they can't produce cars. They can't produce electric cars that are inexpensive, as inexpensive as ICE vehicles, because the technology, the batteries are very expensive. The, the materials that are going into these cars are very expensive and you don't have the, the, the kind of economies of scales that you have with, with ICE vehicles that have been built up over the last hundred years. So gradually the cars will get less expensive. Gradually the cars will be, they'll have the range that where range anxiety isn't an issue. Gradually people will, will governments and, and businesses will build up the charging networks and gradually you can move toward these. It's not, you know, it's, I, I beg to differ with, with those who say this is life and death when it, comes, when it comes to climate change. If you really, really, really want to, to turn down the heat, then stop people burning coal. That's the issue. That's really the main issue. And it's China, it's India, it's parts of the United States, it's Australia, it's Germany, it's Poland. But focusing, you now narrowing in on, on the, on, cars at this point in time is just not it's not where we should be spending our money yeah it, it's really not at least in in our look and and looking around it's it's not where you have the biggest bang for the buck probably but not probably it, it the bang for the buck is not there because in fact you you know if you can the petroleum is is bad but it's not that bad it's not yep. as bad as coal. And if you're doing this in any place where, because it's the marginal consumer of the energy, of the electricity, uh, it's the next piece that you need. And if you're producing this stuff, it, the next piece that you need, if you could get more out of wind, you would get it. If you could get more out of solar, you would get it. If you could get more out of out of uh, gas diesels, you uh, you would get it. If you could do more out of oil diesels, you would get it. Uh, all those things are at capacity. The the thing that comes up because if they weren't at capacity, what would you do? You would 
not burn as much coal as you do. The only yep. reason anybody is burning any coal now, I don't know, maybe this is an oversimplification, but it isn't, is because they're stuck in a corner with it. You know, the demand for electricity is so great that all the other options are all maxed out. And so I have to keep the coal plant going. Sure. And now who would challenge that? Well, I, mean, I don't. Well, building of solar farms. Well, come on, come on, come on, Fred. Come on. I'm just wait asking. A <laughs> wait a minute. Come on. You know, if, if, if they were really interested in reducing carbon, then they would be they would they would be going and say, hey, hey, no, no, I can produce more. Come to me. Come to me. Turn down the coal irrespective of anything that's being done on the consumption side. Right now, the demand is so great for all the other things that we want to do, whatever the heck that happens to be, such that we have to keep burning coal. I, I think that's what China would say. They're not burning coal because they want to. I, I mean, really? I don't think so. I, they're not sitting there with a bunch of solar arrays saying, oh, no, don't turn those on because, or, you know, whatever, because I, I want to burn coal. I think we're over all that. If we're not, well, we should deal with that. That should be the thrust. They're burning should... coal. China's burning coal. India's burning coal because that's the option that they have. Their, their need for, for electricity, primarily, the need for electricity is enormous in China. And there's no way of meeting that, that need in the, with the growth objectives that they have with, with all of the, the goals that they've set <clears throat> for establishing themselves as a, as a technology giant, as an economic giant, there's no way that they can meet that demand today without burning coal. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, absolutely. When yeah. I first went to China in 1978 in Shanghai, every morning what you would see is you would see this rising smog from what? hibachis burning uh, uh, um, uh, uh, charcoal charcoal yeah. for breakfast to, to feed their families yeah. okay and so they saw that they've seen that oh my goodness let's bring them electricity that's pr even produced by coal a whole hell of a lot better than than doing this so they've done that piece but these yeah. People still need to eat. And that's where the electricity that's being produced and still they're burning coal. And again, I, you know, you have to give them some credit. They're not doing just, hey, yeah, I want to put carbon in the atmosphere. They have no other way to feed their people. Yep. Okay. And that's the same reason we're still burning coal, you know, in Texas and have the Burlington Northern coal trains coming down from the, from the um, whatever uh, uh, valley in, in Wyoming, you know, 200 cars at a time, one after the other. They're not doing it because they want to, they're doing it because they have to. They don't have a bunch of, of hydropower available to, oh, let's not turn the turbines today because we want to burn coal. Come on, it's not that. So now you're going to put on top of it, you're going to have to now put electricity in my car. Where's it going to come from? It has to come. So let's first deal with the things that we can deal, that, that 
presently we can move from whatever they're doing not burning coal off of coal because because the thing we're we're moving over with with moving over the ice is burning something that's it's not good admittedly but it's not really bad it's not that i'm i have to do breakfast this morning yeah i don't know uh, and it's so gotten, it's, it's gotten about much better the Fred? in looking at solutions then would you would you be willing to place more of a bet on the the next generation nuclear power plants that bill gates and others have been advocating absolutely i mean I, the the fact that that countries like germany sweden um other countries are closing their nuclear power plants is it, just it's it, it's so counterintuitive it doesn't make any sense at the, at a time when you're when you're trying to or you're you're required to increase your electricity production to take out of that production <clears throat> your capability of producing nuclear energy just doesn't make sense at all and and we we have this debate Sweden has one coal firing plant which could be put into production tomorrow and it was it was closed down officially a year ago it had to come back into production during this last year and I, I can't recall exactly when but it had to go back into production because we didn't have enough energy being produced we're closing down in Sweden. We're closing down our nuclear power plants. We've already closed down one, one or two at this point, and they're gradually going to be taken out of service, all of them. We get almost 50% of our electricity generation from nuclear power. The combination for Sweden of nuclear power and, and hydrogen, hydroelectric power, is, is, the, is a vast majority. So we had coal at one point in time, we didn't have nuclear. I mean, that came in the seventies or so. Hydroelectric power we've had for quite a long time, but there's, they've been small. They, they started coming online in, in, in greater numbers. We burned coal up until the sixties and seventies in, in, in Sweden. And then they were, they were replaced by nuclear. Nuclear power has, a, has the best possibility of solving our intermediate needs between now and let's say 2020, 2050, until we can build up the renewable, whether it's solar or, or, or uh, other, other possibilities that, have, that don't exist, but to close down our nuclear power capabilities and not to add to those, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's just totally, totally ridiculous. But Michael, it's not ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. We're closing them here in New Jersey, I think. I don't know. We're closing them all over the place as far as I know. Why? Because of the externalities. It's all the externalities of nuclear. Oh my goodness, we're going to have Chernobyl. Oh my goodness, we don't know where to bury the stuff that's left over. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It's okay to look at the externalities when you're dealing with nuclear, but apparently nobody wants to look at the externalities when they're associated with the electric vehicles. What you've done in your article, Michael, is what I you've done is say, let's really look at the externalities of what you're doing here. 
to see whether or not you're willing to eat those for breakfast. Yeah. Okay. And if you are fine, but there are those externalities involved. So you have the choice, you know, when you want to eat breakfast in the morning to do coal, you to do nuclear or to or to do internal combustion or to do electric vehicles. OK, or whatever. All right. But you've got it. That's how to put this on a level playing field so that, in fact, or I, I will argue is a level playing field so that, in fact, somebody can maybe do some leadership here. Now, I totally in, agree. We've talked about this before, but is is it almost too late to make this argument? Doesn't it appear the momentum is between the automakers and the governments? The die is cast. Oh, it, Fred, no. I don't think so. I, I mean, no, I don't think so. I mean, if you listen to Fauci with respect to coronavirus, he didn't he say at some point, you know, oh my goodness, we can't tell people the truth because they're not going to behave properly. So that we're going to tell them something else to 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 get the behavior that we want. So it may very well be that everybody's out there. Hey, we're going to talk about a ban, and then that's going to cause some people to, you know, maybe go buy some things as that they wouldn't have otherwise bought because they're afraid of what to do, do, do because we couldn't tell them the truth but but we were only kidding about the ban I, who knows what they're doing but if i mean if you if you're thinking about this in terms of the of the car manufacturers you know is is it too late for all the car manufacturers to to stop making their these enormous investments in order to put themselves in a position of being able to compete with chinese companies to sell electric cars no, it's not. I mean, they know that they have to continue to produce as many ICE vehicles as they possibly can, because if they don't, they're not going to be able to generate enough money to even stay in business. You know, even even if by 2030, and I, I put these this information is, is in the article, even by 2030, if 30% of the cars that are purchased are electric cars, that has taken out of, of the capacity of the co ICE companies today, ICE producing, ICE car producing companies, an enormous amount of, of their capacity. They're not gonna have enough money to be able to stay in business long enough to get to 100%. And, and what, what's happening very quickly, and we'll see this in the next couple of years, and we're seeing it already in the stock market, Chinese car companies going, going public uh, and, and putting their cars into the market, replacing the capacity that the ICE vehicle companies are trying to replace themselves by producing cars. So if you could say to them, look, guys, we, it, all of this business about bans, we're, we're, we're not going to do that because we're, you know, we're, right now we're just creating a very false picture of what, what the economy should be doing and how we should be making things work properly. Let's just back off this, gradually start to reduce your, your level of, of, of emissions, start to, to get your production to be 
closer to what we want to have in, in, the, in the long term, but we're not going to start putting bans on, on electric cars. We're not going to start enforcing the, these kinds of draconian uh, fines for companies that are, that are taking money out of the pockets of people, of the companies that need the money to invest in and putting them in, in, the, in, the, in the pockets of Tesla and, and other companies that are producing cars. That's also in, this, in, the, in the dispatcher. This thing about about um, you know transfers of money from because you can't meet the emissions, we're we're just we're we're killing our businesses, but we're not and we're not doing that much to improve the environment. This is where we need to be looking at this from a, from a holistic from a, a wider perspective, and you know it's I I think President Biden is doing a terrific job with with the infrastructure and investments and so on, but some he's getting he's getting some bad advice when it comes to to this. It, pushing electric vehicles. He's not looking at everything that we need to look at to say, we have companies that are in business right now, a lot of, not just GM and, and, uh, um, and Stellantis and, and, um, and Ford, but all of the other companies that have moved into the United States, like BMW and, and, uh, and Daimler and you know, all of them, the, the Toyota, all of these companies are there producing ICE vehicles. And and many of these, if you look at the the the, the uh, efficiency of the fuel efficiency of these vehicles, it's it's amazingly better than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it's and they keep getting better and better. So there's a potential here that, to do much more than we're doing. We'll be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, take a look at the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, as you may know, can be a good way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more of the Smart Driving Cars podcast with our guest, Michael Senna. Michael, in the Dispatch Central section of the newsletter, you take a, a sharp and, and humorous look, really, at, at the recent Twitter battle between Elon Musk and Senator Bernie Sanders. I love your writing. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I love you it. Can't, <laughs> you, you can't have two better characters to, to it's like this is like a radio a radio program you know with with Bernie and and uh, and Musk going at each other over their over their uh, their Twitter accounts Bernie says we're in a moment in American history where two guys Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos own more wealth than the bottom 40 percent of people in this country that level of greed and inequality is not only immoral it is unsustainable <laughs> And, and what does what does Musk do? Bezos, you know, Musk Musk didn't go to Princeton. Yeah. <laughs> Bezos Bezos knew well enough, you know. Just you know, don't go don't go near this guy. But Musk Musk just he just can't help himself, and so he starts he starts to go at at, at Bernie Sanders. And as I say here, Bernie Bernie grew up in Brooklyn. 
you know, <laughs> Bernie knows he, you, know, you give him one thing and he'll come back with a rejoinder that's just going to cut you off at the toes, the knees, you know, he's going to take your head off. <laughs> and in the end, Musk just couldn't, he just couldn't get there. And, you know, the, the zinger was when, when Bernie says, oh yeah, you, you, you really like to, to give it to all of us socialists. But guess what? You're the biggest socialist of the bunch. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. of the amount of money that he's getting uh, from the government to be able to support all the stuff that he's doing and so on. And and in some sense, maybe deservedly so. And I'm, and, and Jeff is certainly not happy about Bernie getting getting the or, or about Elon getting the two point nine to go to go to the moon uh, mm. and and cutting out Jeff. So those two are like, Mike, hey, wait a minute. So so Jeff is is like appealing. Uh, appealing uh, nasa's decision to give to give elon all the money and i mean th those two guys are going and they're going at it for as a you know for welfare support you know, so 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 yeah. Elon, if Elon says anything else, Bernie's. I agree. Bernie, Bernie will be ready to. Not, I mean, come on. I guess Elon. Elon didn't grow up on the corner or something. He he was never. No. He, no. He, um, uh, you know, I guess down there in South Africa, he must have been um, Jesus. Uh, you know, I never mind. But yeah. Um, An interesting battle, but there was yeah. another successful SpaceX launch this week. <laughs> yeah, they did that, and I guess there's still maybe uh, the uh, SN15 uh, 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 will maybe go um, today or something like that. Maybe they'll they'll succeed again. You know, it's at least in that particular industry. It, to me, it's really nice to see uh, to see the private sector out there. I mean, really doing something. If you, I mean. You know, I grew up in in this in that industry, and in you know, launching sixty satellites at a at a time. The, the, Moore's law. I mean, the the implications of Moore's law in doing you know space stuff is, you know, satellites used to be. I mean, they were so darn expensive. Why? Because they were huge and whatever and had to have all this stuff. Now they're like, yo, big and all the, all the micro, all the community, all the bits and bytes. You don't need, you don't need all the sensors and whatever. They're all up. It's amazing. And they're all cheap. And so you can, you know, package up 60 at a time, throw them up there every whatever, da, da, da. And, and even, you know, the, the Leo concept of, of doing communications and low, you know, bouncing things off of low earth orbit satellites to be able to get from A to B as opposed to putting it through a cable under the Atlantic Ocean or something like that, you know, it was always thought to be, hey, that would be a great concept. The question was, how do you get enough of them up there? How do you put enough computational power and communication power in each one so that it's not, it's, and that they, each one is so damn cheap that you can do it. All of a sudden, we're there, and and yeah. part of the brilliance of Elon on this thing is that he recognized, and you know, fund, you know, it's always the fundamentals. I always tell my students, I love Taylor series. Why you represent something as a Taylor series? You look at the zeroth order term or the first order term, well, the higher order term, they all go, they go to zero on scale. You worry about those guys. He worried about the launch vehicle. Okay, even though he has to put extra fuel in there, even though he has to put a barge out there to, to catch it, 
you'll take in the cost of the extra fuel, the barge and so on. It's so darn much cheaper than just using it once. Yeah. I mean, in some, and, and he was adamant about making that sucker happen. And, you know, I guess he's reaping the benefit of that, you know, fundamental. That's a fundamental. That's not a higher order term that that DI have to do high frequency trading to cheat to be able to make two cents on each transaction. Crapola. There was a few zingers of mine in there, too. <laughs> I heard sort of throw in the, to my classes and so on. And um, and I think just, you know, to our audience, uh, it's a shame. Uh, Fred and uh, Fred uh, helped me to, to bring uh, Brian Taylor and um, and um, Armand Hill to my class uh, this past week to the, uh, the best basketball players in Princeton ever. Uh, to talk about sports analytics and it was a real treat having them and and you know and and the fact that these guys uh you know again they went to princeton right michael and uh, and they went and they left princeton to you know do their pro basketball but they came back and they got a degree and they went on and they've gone on to be i mean just marvelous individuals and it was such a treat to have them mm -hmm. on on in my class so anyway um, well bill bradley wasn't everybody. a slouch either just yeah, bill bradley <laughs> and i almost I, I almost had bill on there uh, they, whatever that didn't happen and uh, and of course uh, had um, had uh, um um, I known from um, eBay, Jamie. I known from eBay on CEO of eBay on the week before. And I mean, what a he's, he's just like Michael, you know. I mean, whatever, Michael, class of '69, whatever. It's it's um, it's been a nice ride. Well, wrapped up a, another semester there. A couple well, of we're other trying, headlines. We're trying. We're <laughs> trying. It is not easy. If any of you uh, you know don't realize it out there, this is no way to do higher education. The remote uh, learning, uh, you know, just isn't. A couple of other headlines we're going to touch on quickly, Alan. Uh, the Florida legislature has pushed ahead with another bill from Senator Jeff Brandis, who took part in this year's Smart Driving Car Summit. Uh, it authorizes the operation of autonomous delivery vehicles uh, with speeds of 35 miles an hour or less. They're thinking that uh, this all gets through and signed. They could have these cleared on Florida roads by July. Yeah, I, I, we talked about this during the summit and it was really, it's really brilliant uh, again of, of Jeff to do this because because in fact, there have been these restrictions at 25 miles an hour and 25 miles is, is it, it's unfortunately, many of our streets are 25 mile an hour streets and all, all of us in our communities would like cars to drive at 25 miles an hour, but they don't. And so really what this is, is a, is a realization that in fact, um, 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 the constraint on these vehicles to be under 25 miles an hour and raising it to 35 miles an hour is almost the same thing that the local police do with respect to enforcement of traffic laws in neighborhoods. If you're doing nine over, you really you don't tend to get pulled over. At least, hey, I haven't, so I don't know. But that's the only data I have. Uh, they let you do it. These vehicles, they can't operate this way. Okay, if they're told to do 25, they're going to be 
they're going to stick at 25. Okay. And so this allows them to do 35 and therefore in some sense allows them access really to, to better fit in with the traffic flow is what it really does. And I think one of the interesting elements that, that I think is in that legislation is the fact that, that, that their ability to operate, you know, at 35 miles an hour over short sections of roadways where maybe, you know, uh, some other jurisdictions would not allow them to operate is also valuable. I know in our looking at trying to create operational design domains in Trenton and Princeton and in, in, in Newburgh and in, in all these places where you might want to be able to provide this service, you find that you end up needing some roads in which the, the, the speed limit is 35 miles an hour. You don't need to be on them except for short segments. This allows these vehicles to be on these roads for short segments and maybe even roads that have 45 mile an hour speed limits for short segments so that the other cars will then will then you know not be too upset that they're in there for at least a little bit and they don't have to stay behind a 35 mile an hour vehicle for who knows how many miles and maybe the rest of the public you know as they drive their ice vehicle or their electric vehicle you know will be more tolerant of these of these things and and won't go nuts so I think this is, this is, for many reasons, this is a very, I consider this a very good piece of legislation. And I think Jeff was brilliant in, in putting it together and, and, and doing that. Well, he's certainly been a leader all along with this. Volkswagen's CEO on your side of the Atlantic, Michael, is, is saying the automaker will design and develop its own chips for autonomous vehicles, along with the software to take on rivals. Um, such as Tesla, et cetera. Any thoughts about that? They're big enough. I mean, there's no reason why they, they couldn't be doing this. Um, they haven't for many reasons, but but the main reason that, that the car companies haven't been doing this is that, that maybe starting in the 60s and the 70s, they began to look at at you know, this is what is our core business? Where are we really making money? Where do we? Where should we be investing, and investing in developing technologies and developing capabilities that could be better uh, outsourced? Uh, was was something that they all did, and and eventually they sold their, their Delphi's and their Delcos and and all of these companies that were were part of them initially. They first sold them off. And then they began sourcing from uh, from other companies, and now they're looking at a company like Tesla, which is more than any other car company in the in the world today, vertically integrated. And Mr. Dietz is a is a um, I think he's an admirer of of Elon Musk, and I think he's he's looking at at you know what is it that's going to make us successful in the long term? Is it outsourcing potentially outsourcing to places where where we're giving up our technology edge to companies that it will eventually do what we're doing and use the technology that we're we've paid for why don't we just bring it in-house so they've created a, a a major new organization within their within vw that is going to be developing software and there's no reason why they couldn't be developing their own chips other car companies including tesla uh, have been doing this 
So yeah, I think, it's a it's a it's a norm. I think it's a it's a normal stage, but it, it's a cycle. I mean, we we went from everybody doing their own everything to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, pendulum. Yeah. Yeah, I I prefer yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah. pendulum that goes back and forth. You yeah. Know, on these. Well, for things. instance, uh, Daimler, Mercedes, they, they partner no secret at all with with Nvidia. Yeah, yeah, but that, I think that's a partner that's a little bit different. I mean, everybody sort of partners. This thing, I think, says that they want to do it themselves. It sort of also looks like, you know, if you look at the, at the, um, Mobile Eye in some sense, you know, Mobile Eye before they were purchased, um, uh, that you know, they they had a very close relationship to a chip maker in some sense. Then the chip maker then gobbled up Mobile Eye, and you know, I guess you know mobile eyes is still a, a tail i don't know to what extent it's wagging that dog uh, mm-hmm. wagging that dog but you know um uh, that exists there uh, as, as michael mentioned tesla's gone there 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 are other you look at the chip shortage in the industry somebody you know they may want to do that uh, but uh, but we also learned that during the summit from Glenn Mercer, the extent to which any of these manufacturers sort of have, in terms of producing a car, have very close relationship with, they're more than suppliers, they're, you know, they're doers, that, uh, you know, they're very well kind of organized under the uh, you know under the auspices of the of the car manufacturer and so you know yeah, the tier the tier the, ones yeah the tier yeah, ones, the tier yeah. ones yeah. yeah and so and so you know this look as as everybody is realizing you know the car is a computer today and and it's it's going to be even more of a computer it, it, it used to be a v8 engine you know with uh you know with uh, a four barrel carburetor and <laughs> cable and, vroom vroom and double clutch transmission i don't know whatever the hell was in there and turbocharged and uh now it's you know may end up to be a you know copper round wand around a magnet that's going spin 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 i don't whatever (laughs) well just a few hours from now baidu is set to launch its full autonomous robo taxi service called apollo go in shugang park in uh, beijing the report says there will be no driver behind the wheel and will be used to transport athletes uh, down the road here during the upcoming winter olympics so alan and, and Michael, you've been you know, talking about what's going on in China for some time. Uh, and looks like they, they've got a service coming, coming into being here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's everything about the, you know, I don't know. It, it, does, I, it doesn't I, I, mention I'm whether not, or not there's a safety driver. Well, and, I, you and know, this, seat, look, the problem is there are all Elon Musk out there, you know, dangling stuff out there and not being and trying to be trying to to have this 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 vision this dream but not really delivering on it and there, you know there are caveats all over the place and 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 so i don't know i don't know about the caveats here and in a sense you know i've gotten to a point where where i i, I guess i've finally thrown in the towel and and 
I don't care if they, I don't care if there's a, if there's a safety driver or there's a driver in the vehicle. To me, what's, what's really important is the level of service. Number one, number two is to try to get people to share these things, because unless there's some sharing going around, I don't think we, it's supportable. And then to keep it going, they're going to hit the tsunami is going to hit them. They're going to see that they can't do it with the driver. Okay. They're not rich enough. They can't. And, and they'll then find a way to get rid of it just so they survive and it'll be a survival mechanism, but that will achieve it. Okay. I mean, they're going to run it instead of put, putting that eventuality in, in, in the front and then fighting all the headwinds you have to fight to do that. Let's just put the person, let's put the elevator operator in the elevator. Okay. We can, we can reach in our pockets for a while and basically, you know, front end cost, you know, we'll write it off later and absorb it. But at some point, it's going to get between, uh, you know, you're going to reach it. It's going to be 1945. There's going to be an elevator strike or whatever. And then you're people, hey, guess what? We don't need. Yeah. In a, country, in a country with, you know, 1.3 billion people, they think the last thing that they want to do is, is to eliminate jobs for the for the lowest end of the people it's 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 a it's it's marketing it's it's advertising it's it's you know it's what it's what these companies do so baidu is doing what 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 they need to do and they're you know they're it's advertising michael michael yeah. michael you're brutal i hate you you know you're just <laughs> brutal to me every time you're just brutal that brings back memories in my mind I, it's 1978, I am in, I guess, Beijing, Shanghai, I don't even know where it was, lecturing to a bunch mm -hmm. of Chinese, okay, about automation of ports, containerization, mm -hmm. and so on, and uh, optimization and so on, and whatever, and basically in optimal ports, uh, substitute the uh, machines for people, oh, the whole bit in my lecture man i'm like going nuts and you know it's of course obvious and then i just stopped i said maybe not maybe not maybe the objective here and this is because the day before i was just watching some people on a pile of bricks taking each bricks and chipping off the mortar to reuse the bricks mm -hmm. Every, uh, my vision, my, what I saw in Shanghai at the time was every piece of land that you could possibly farm was being farmed by people out there. In there. And I just stopped and I said, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Maybe the objective here is to have gainful employment for one point whatever billion people you have. And to take people, you know, to substitute gizmos for people may in fact not be. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think I, you know, I have no idea what the translator translated that to be. I have no idea what they heard, but I mean, I just, 
you know, so what you said there, you know, is absolutely true. You know, and the, the, the reason for the automation is not to unemploy people, not to give people something, not a gainful employment so that they can feed their families and send their kids to Princeton, okay? That's not the reason. The reason is, is to try to provide them access so that they can better feed their family and better send their people to Princeton, for which I guess I think that, that mobility is a fundamental piece of this thing. And the better we can do it, the cheaper we can do it, the more that we can have it, the better it will deal with the environment and so on and improve quality of life. I mean, that's the end. If it does mean that, that you know, you're putting people out of work, then let's put them to work. Okay, fine. Don't take them out of there. It's not, but apparently, you know, we've had that opportunity now for, with these things for a hundred and how many years. And somehow, you know, the taxi companies weren't able to become dominant. Uber and Lyft are an embarrassment. I mean, they're great for what they do, for the thing that you really needed, for the, oh my goodness, I don't have any other way to do it. I'm willing to cough it up and do it and it can be brought to me and and all the hassles around it aren't there. It's just, it's just money. Yes, I can find some people who are really at the edge for which they, you know, this is the, this is the, this is all they can do to, this is the best they can do to feed their families. Um, but anyway, you let us right into our final headline, Alan, which is that uh, Toyota is acquiring Lyft's self-driving unit for $500 million. Another headline from give this or week. take. Yeah. Some, some amount who knows whatever. Yeah. 500 million, I guess, you know, they're buying the people They they, Toyota was in the business, was in there with uh, major efforts and so on and so forth until the Elaine Herzberg uh, crash. Okay, that you know, I'll I have no inside information, but just looking at what I observed, that must have taken all the wind out of their sails. And they've been, you know, they sort of said a couple of things with respect to the Olympics, da da dee, da da da, and did some public relations stuff and what to do, da da da, but nothing substantive that I could see anyway for whatever, you know. But again, it's just my view. And th this is this is them getting back into it, uh, pretty darn cheap, okay, pretty darn cheap. <laughs> And um, how much, you know, lift was along there and so on. Um, um, they, you know, whether or not they had any, they have any unique perspective that's, that's better than what, what Waymo has or what Ford Argo has or what GM has or, or, or what Aurora has or, you know, the other, you know, world folks that are in this have don't know uh but it's it's a it's a way to for them to get some people that have at least uh, some experience in this and um and, and as a team and maybe get back into it realizing that at some point whether it's it's for if it's for the driverless mobility piece uh, you know that 
that sort of is my passion or it's, you know, uh, automated emergency braking that actually works. Again, you know, the crash in Texas a week or so ago that, you know, caused so many headlines, <laughs> you know, about full self-driving, uh, autopilot of blah, 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 blah. No, I, I, my question is, is why did the Tesla hit the tree? It's supposed to have an automated emergency braking system in it. Darn it. Now, I know all the excuses from the Society of Automotive Engineers, da-da-dee, da-da-do, da-da-da, da-da-da. But at some point, somebody's going to get serious about, my goodness, these cars should not be running into stationary things ahead. Now, maybe if they're going 100, let's see, what's the speedometer in my car say? 160 miles an hour? Oh, okay, maybe. All right, but, you know, this thing, apparently, I don't know how fast it was going. It was, apparently, come on, it's, it can't hit, it can't. So somebody's got to get serious about that. Now, I don't know if Toyota is not going to take these folks and say, we're going to work on making sure that Toyotas don't hit things that are stationary ahead. We don't care what the driver is. We don't care if the driver is trying to commit suicide. Okay. There's been a case in Princeton in which a kid wanted to commit suicide and so on and a Beamer and so on and one other to do, I think, well, I don't know. I suspect may have, I shouldn't say one. You know, went and hit a parked car. That the parked car went and killed the rabbi of the of the uh, of the of the hillel. Okay, that car should not hit that parked car, even if the kid had his foot on the gas. And you say, well, he could have circumvented that thing. He could have gone in there and clipped the wires and done it. Okay. He did not disable the airbag. Therefore, when he hit the car, the airbag exploded and saved him. But yet the parked car that he hit then went and killed the rabbi. Come on, Society of Automotive Engineers, stop this. And it's their fault. Ah, uh, come on! I don't know. Uh, poor Michael. Come they'll on, be, Michael. They'll be knocking. You know, they'll be yes, knocking. They hate. Yeah. I, I, you know. SA. I mean, yeah. I, go ahead. Yes, he'll be knocking on your door tomorrow. No, I said back, yeah, yeah. back, yeah, back to. Yeah, I mean, I got to lift in Toyota here or something. I don't know. I mean, my no, date, I, look, yeah, I, I, I don't know. We we've got, had I'm these so, conversations. I know. Ellen, I totally, I totally agree with you. We should be doing. The car companies can, to, today can do all the things that, that they need to do to prevent lives, including stopping Tesla from having autopilot that is not an autopilot, yeah, yeah. having their car, saying their cars have has automatic braking systems when they don't. They should be doing all of those things, and they can, right? Yeah, stop at stop, stop stop signs, stop at red lights. All of that stuff can be done. Not allowing people to, to get in the cars and start the cars if they have been drinking 
Although another article in the Dispatcher talks about that issue as well. One of the alcohol locks in, in, in a company were all put out of commission on the 1st of April, apparently as a joke. But as far as tests, as far as Toyota yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Lyft is concerned, um, Toyota, is a, Toyota is an amazing company. I mean, they, they have had for over 20 years, they've had hybrid cars in the market and have been saving enormous amounts of, of fuel and reducing the enormous amounts mm -hmm. of, of emissions. And for many years said, we're not gonna have electric cars because they aren't gonna do the things that we want to do and we can't make them as inexpensive as we possibly can. They've, they really have taken a, a, a big picture view of building and selling cars. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine why they would want to spend $500 million just to get a group of people who have been working on autonomous driving, unless there's a, there are a few people in there who are doing things with automatic braking systems and with advanced driver assistance systems that they feel are, are capable and, and, you know, why not, you know, help out our buddy mm -hmm. from, from uh, mm -hmm. SoftBank put a little money into to uh you know, Ooh, ouch ouch <laughs> put, put a little money into i mean it's spare change yeah, yeah, for them yeah, 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 yeah. and to have a group of people who are working in a yeah. in a in the u.s where a lot of this stuff is going on but i don't think it's a i wouldn't look and try to put too much thinking time or emphasis on on this as as far as strategy is concerned i think it's a sort of a minor blip well, yeah, that's I, why I, we're, I, we're happy you were with us again, Michael. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> Michael, I agree, agree 100%. You know, yeah. and I think, I think this is where they can use them and maybe they can lead. And then in some sense, they have been leading. I think, you know, uh, Subaru's certainly been leading. Certainly, you know, I think they're trying to make their cars, uh, you know, so they don't crash into things that are stationary ahead. They were yeah. the first, I think, the first ones to do, to, to show they could do it to the IIHS and so on and and i think that that's fantastic and 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 we need that should be the simple thing for them to do i yeah. you know the breathalyzer yeah. stuff i mean you know putting in two you know speed limiters and all that stuff of course but you know look at the trouble that i mean what did volvo say that we're going to limit it 102 or i mean I mean, they're out there on one hand selling all kinds of speed and I can go gazillion and then all of a sudden they're going to put a gizmo in your car that's not going to let you. I mean, you know, they 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 they, they have a real problem. I mean, that's a challenge. But to not hit stuff that's stationary that you can't pass under that's in your that's stationary and your lane ahead and you can't pass under seems to be come on start there then that tesla would not have hit the tree it doesn't care if it had full half quarter full self-driving 14 guys were in the back seat and nobody and you know the car should not hit a stationary object ahead damn yeah. it but i've got to i've also got to get this in there as well yeah. once it did hit the tree to incinerate the the people who were in the car just is is something that that is beyond my ken how can you possibly sell cars that can blow up the way that car did and create the flames and the heat that 
made it impossible to get at the people for some some length of time. I mean, they were they had to take them out of the car. I mean, they yeah. they they didn't they didn't just hit the tree and then were able to get out. I mean, where were the where were the 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 um, the, the restraint systems and the and the airbags? I mean, they should have been able to at least have been alive after they hit the tree but what happened what happened then i mean the car if you look at the car it's just it's it's gone well on on those that line i you know one does not want to look at a silver lining associated with the lane hersberg uh crash in arizona but i think that there is a slight um, uh, silver lining on that is everybody stepped back and took a deep breath and said, oh, my goodness, you know, we we really need to be good at this. Yeah, before sure. we put it out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'd hope or I would hope that, you know, probably I don't know, maybe we should try to find it in 1906 or 1898. You know, one of these ice cars hit a tree and blew up and whatever. And people focused on how the heck do I make a gas tank? Where do I put the gas Mm -hmm. tank? Mm -hmm. Where, how do I protect it? Certainly, you know, the whole business of putting it in the rear, where it's in the rear and so on is just not, you know, hey, let's put it there. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in the auto industry and a lot of society of automotive engineers spend a lot of very, very hard time trying to figure out how to have where do we place that gasoline so that the probability of such a thing happening is essentially zero yeah okay so i hopefully that this is a takeaway and i'm sure it's probably going to be something that the ntsb is going to recommend out of this look we've got to figure out you know we thought maybe we could just line the whole base of the of the of the body with with batteries and and give it the 500 mile range even though all ga- gasoline cars get 250 but never mind we'll give it mm. 500 and da da do da 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 and put all this stuff and compress it out and all that stuff and people you know people are gonna figure it out maybe it's gonna end up like the mercedes uh way uh, car if you haven't seen the, that saturday night live commercial you look should look up the mercedes double a <laughs> never mind <laughs> it's a car powered by double a batteries yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant it's it's brilliant but but you know seriously here you know we do have a problem we have two problems here car shouldn't hit the tree okay the second one is is if it does hit a tree, you know, we're, we're, what we're doing with the batteries may not be the best thing that we should be doing. No. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, Michael, anyway. <laughs> did we, did Michael, we, get... we really want to thank you for, for taking the time to be with us again and uh, for congratulations on another great edition of the dispatcher. People can find you at michaellsena.com. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us once again at smartdrivingcar.com 
also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn to for podcasts. You can get your smart speaker if you have one to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching and please continue to stay safe. And thank you for putting up with us. I don't know, our audience, I guess we somehow every once in a while go off the rails and, you know, happy May Day to everybody. Huh? <laughs>